Ephesians chapter 6. Last message in Ephesians before we go into the armor of God and spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And all the parents said, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. I actually, as a parent, kind of chuckle at that part of that verse. Think about it. Obey, honor your mom and dad, and it will go well with you. And you'll enjoy a long life. We celebrated every birthday with our kids, especially the boys. I look across the table and say, congratulations, you made it another year. Ah, and then it comes to me. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction in the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Just apply that to your work setting. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he's a slave or free. And masters, those of you who have people who work under you, Treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Father, for your spirits filling and empowering, your spirits anointing, for ears that can hear, eyes that can see, a heart that can understand what you would say to each one of us. Move in power, I pray, as we continue in this worship gathering. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. One of the things I want to impress upon you as we move into this text is I'm concerned with this. So I'm back from college. What the heck do I need to have this message for? I mean, I don't have any children yet. We don't have any kids. I'm not married. Some of those situations are hurtful. Talk about family, and someone could be thinking... This message is for someone else. It isn't for someone else. Because, for one, we are a family. We are a family. And we do life together. And that 
cannot be just something that we say. A lot of different people poured into the lives of the kids during family fun nights. College students coming back who will have an opportunity to connect with families in this church. High school students, middle school students. We have the opportunity, whether you're a child, teen, college, 20-something, we do life together. Dover, we're blessed with a lot of kids. And they're our kids. Every one of us has an opportunity to leave a positive, healthy mark on them. Whether they're college age, 20-something, teenagers, elementary school, every one of us will leave a mark on the other people in our lives. We have the opportunity to leave a healthy, positive one. The context of this section of Ephesians all starts in verse 18. And for those of you who weren't here when we unpacked that for four weeks, it's online. The filling of the Spirit. Everything that follows that are the results of the filling of the Spirit in which all of my relationships can be healed. All of my relationships as I am filled with and walking in the power of the Spirit moment by moment, day by day. It's not a one-time experience. It's a daily thing that I need to ask for. All my relationships can be put back together as I am walking in the filling of the Holy Spirit. And the church said, Amen. When I'm right with God, and I'm walking in His strength and in that relationship, not off on my own, and I know who I am in Christ, then not only can I love God and love myself, but I can love other people well. And when I am there, I can choose to serve other people, not to demand being served, not to expect somebody else to pick up what's on the floor because they left. I can choose to come underneath someone else and hold them up and say, Lord, use me to help them become all that you've called them and formed them to be. That's what it means to be subject to one another out of the fear of Christ. Then in verse 21, after Paul says, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ, he then begins to illustrate the relationships that will be affected by living this way. We do it to one another in the church, the body of Christ. We do it in our family units, in our homes. Last week, we learned how this voluntary submission to, to others impacts a marriage. How it's not about me being in charge and no me being in charge and me being in charge, but how do we get back to this one flesh relationship that he intended in the beginning? And how we do that is to choose to come under my, my wife and say, I want you, I'm a, God to use me to 
Have you become all that God created you to be? And for her at the same time to go, no, 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 I'm going to come under you and use all that God is, all the strength that God has made me to be and given me to that you would be the man that God's called me. No, 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 I'm going to come under you so that you become the woman. No, 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 I'm going to come under you. Living under that mutual submission one to another. And the church said really loud. Ephesians 6, Paul gives illustrations as well for children to parents and parents to children. Even for, I believe it can be applied very clearly, employees to their employers and employers to their employees as we, in reverence to Christ, submit to one another. I don't know if you've had the privilege of a work situation. I hope you have. A work culture where literally the people who own or run the company or the person who's your supervisor, that their attitude is, I want to come under you so that you can become all that you were called to be. See, actually living that way, that's a huge win for a company to raise somebody up. And for every employee to say, you know what? I'm going to come under my supervisor and help her or him become all that God called them to be. Wow, what a place to work. Verse 21 is the umbrella under which everything else flows in these relationships. What I want us to catch here is this mutual submission is to be practiced in the family in the same way it needs to be functioning in the body, it needs to function in the church. So hear me. And it's why I believe contextually right after this we learn about the armor of God and spiritual warfare because it should come as no surprise that Satan and all the demonic realm is assaulting those kind of relationships at their very core. The most important human relationships that I have in my life, relationships with my mom and dad, relationships with my spouse, relationships with my siblings, relationships with children, relationships with you, with one another, Satan is assaulting that in every way he can, right down to in our, our society redefining what a family is. Let's look at the text. Let's unpack it. Ephesians 1, excuse me, Ephesians 6, verse 1 and following. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Why? Because it's right. Because I said so. Verse 2, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment that came with a promise, that it will go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Understand, when we're dealing with honoring of parents, father and a mother, we're dealing with more than an action. We're dealing with an attitude. To honor your father and mother. Not just with outward compliance, but from your heart. Young people, uh, it's really important to hear in most of them are in children's church, so we're going to go really fast through this piece. Before we move on to instructions to the parents, just like 
A wife has responsibility of submitting herself to her husband, and a husband has the same responsibility of submitting himself to his wife. How? As Christ loved the church. What did that mean? Laid his life down, willing to die, literally. Submitting yourself to someone else, taking all that you are and choosing to come underneath someone else and lifting them up so that they can be be who all God has called them to be is never an easy thing. It always comes at personal cost. But that responsibility is laid at all of our feet. Children, parents, teens, roommates, everyone. I want to give you an outline that will guide us through this message. The outline comes, outline comes in the way of the instructions. The first one we've already covered. We're going to move on from it. Children, obey, honor your parents. The second one that we're going to deal with is in verse 4. It's for parents specifically, but I believe it's important for anyone who in some capacity works with, deals with children, grandchildren, teens, young people in college, 20-somethings. It all applies to this. Fathers, do not exasperate, don't frustrate your kids. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Parents, dad. Very clearly, the source of our kids' hostility is often us. We need to talk about it. Third instruction is bring them up in the training. Some translations would render it discipline. Literally, it means to nurture and instruction in the Lord. Let's start by looking at the third one. Bring them up. It doesn't say beat them down. Bring them up. What does that mean? Well, one passage that helped me considerably was a cross-reference. Proverbs 22 Verse 6. Proverbs 22, verse 6 uses a word that is a synonym of the Greek word that's used in Ephesians chapter 4, excuse me, chapter 6, verse 4. Now, if you're a parent, this verse is probably very familiar to you. Here it is Proverbs 22, 6. Train up your child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. So then, what does it mean to train up a child? Well, for starters, I can tell you what it doesn't mean. To train a child is not about training for right behaviors and external performance. Do I need to train a child for right behaviors like good manners? Yes, of course. Do I need to teach them the proper way to act? In a given situation, what actions are appropriate or inappropriate? Again, the answer is yes. However, if the only thing that I am doing is teaching or training them correct external behavior, but not training their heart, we are setting them up, we are setting us up for a lot of problems when they get older. Every adult in the room knows someone or maybe is that someone who was the model child, 
even as a teen. Always the right behavior. Never got in any, any trouble. Never embarrassed their parents. They went away to college. And when the trainer was gone, the wheels came off. Because they hadn't really learned how to do life. To make deep, healthy kinds of decisions on their own. So, to train up a child has to do has to be more than getting them to behave in certain ways so they don't embarrass me when I go to the restaurant. Let's dig in a little bit more. Train up a child in the way they should go. That phrase, the way, caught my attention. The Hebrew word for way used in Proverbs 22.6 is derek. It means direction, manner, habit, a course of life, moral character. Digging a little deeper, we find that this word is used to describe the palate or the roof of the mouth. Stay with me. Specifically, it was used to describe the action of a midwife who, when the baby is born, they would take the baby in their arms, they would stick their finger in some kind of a juice like grape juice or juice juice from dates something like that, and they would rub the palate of the child's mouth to make the child start sucking. They needed to do that if they were going to live. They needed to be disciplined, trained, if you will, to do that, to live. Now, you know what that finger going into the juice and going into the mouth did for this child? Get this, it's critical. It created a taste in that child for the thing that it needed to do. Let me say it again. It created a taste in that child for the thing that they needed to do. To desire it. So parents, train up. Bring up your child in the way They should go. What does that mean? It means parents create in them a thirst for what? A thirst, create in them a thirst, a desire for what? The godly thing. The right thing. To create them to want more. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now I'm ready to talk about discipline and training but I've got to reach their heart first. A thirst has to be created. How? Take a step back. Remember how I said that these things are all going to overlap in this section of Scripture. And I could do a message on each piece. We could do whole Sunday school classes, small groups on these topics. Ephesians 6.4 begins with this instruction. Fathers, parents, do not exasperate, frustrate, provoke your children to anger. I believe that one of the greatest sources of frustration for a child in receiving discipline from their parents is that too often parents are demanding of their children things that the child does not see consistently lived out in their parents' lives. My dad 
I couldn't count the number of times I would hear him say, don't do what I do, do what I say. That's really frustrating. To demand that my children act a certain way that I myself am not consistently acting in is frustrating for kids. In fact, it can often produce anger in a child. I want to talk to those of you who will be teaching a Sunday school class, helping out with children's church, kids' uh, Sunday school, Awana, working in youth ministry, listen up. Working with some college-age person, coaching, mentoring, disciple, whatever it is, whatever kind of relationship you're in with them, you have an opportunity to leave a positive thumbprint on that person's life. You have an opportunity to mark them for God's glory. More than an opportunity, you will leave some type of mark upon their lives. Now, I thank God for every one of you. I do. I'm so thankful for those of you who, who don't just know this. You do this instinctively. It pours out of you. But I just want to remind us of some things this morning. We don't train them up and produce a taste in their mouth, a, a taste in their hearts for the things of God by just pouring information in them. It doesn't matter if I finish the lesson if all I did was taught them information. If there's something that I desire to give away that would impact a person's life, that would be implanted in their life, listen, if I'm not doing it myself, don't waste your breath. They can smell it a mile away. Ephesians 5.1, Paul said, be imitators of God. Whoa. How? What does that look like? Well, first he says, live like Jesus showed us to live. Can't do it on your own, filling of the Spirit, different sermon. Still not sure what that means? Well, Paul says, imitate me in 1 Corinthians 4.16 as I imitate Christ. Listen, don't bother inviting someone into a discipling or mentoring relationship. Young person, don't go and ask somebody to be your mentor or to, or to disciple you or whatever it is unless you see them living it out in their lives. When you see those principles being lived out, the instructions that are being taught will be profound and life-changing. Hostility, frustration comes in demanding our kids, young people, things that we are unwilling to do ourselves. And listen, we can't advocate responsibility in this to the church alone. Yeah, well, they'll get that in Sunday school class. 
the body of Christ, this body, indeed plays an important role in this. However, primarily, where we are formed is the homes we live in, right? That's how God designed it. That's where it takes place, first and foremost. Create a thirst for the things of God, for the way of God, in the hearts of our kids and our lives. Do you do that? Do I do that? Do we do that as a body? When our lives splash on the people we bump into, do they go, oh, I want to taste more of that? How, how, is your, how does that happen in your life? Well, walk with me, and I'll show you how I do life. We can do life together. And all of it goes back to a Spirit-filled life. Moment by moment, asking the Holy Spirit to fill me because I'm always leaking. What it isn't about is me as a parent trying really hard to be a really good parent. I'm so glad our kids are out of the house. So much easier now they don't get to see me all the time. No, that's not true. I'm just saying it takes a lot of work to be a good parent. A lot of work. And if you're doing it in your own strength, you're just flailing. Parenting in the strength and the filling and the power of the Holy Spirit, mm, that's, that's something different. Parenting, grandparenting, mentoring somebody because I am being transformed from the inside out and then sharing my transformation with somebody else. Oh, now it's fun. Even as we might weep together. As he shows me some area of my life that has spilled out and hurt my kid or my spouse and I go to them and I confess it and I ask for their forgiveness. Living it out together. Instruct. Instruction? Yeah. I need to give instruction, but the words I give won't connect with my own kids, kids in children's church, Sunday school, Awana, student ministries, unless they see it in my own life. Worse, if they hear and understand my words and instructions, but they don't see it in my life, they're going to hate it. Parents, teachers, ministry leaders, don't expect the people that are in your lives to keep a civil tongue toward you if you don't keep one toward them. Don't expect them to handle their anger when you don't. Don't expect them to love God when you don't. Don't expect them to be growing when you're not. Don't expect them to be loving when you're not. Create in them a thirst, train them up, and then... Direct them. How? By being continually filled with the Spirit so that they can see it, so they can see it, and from that place to instruct them, instruct them and direct them. Don't know if this is in anybody's head. 
wait a minute, Pastor. When I tell my kids what direction they should go, what direction should they go? Well, the church answer is the direction they should go is toward God, to be a good Christian, whatever that means. Is that all it means? Is that what it meant for you as a kid? Is it what it means for your kids? Is that what it means for you when you work with somebody in Awanas or uh, in some capacity? Maybe. I wonder if we were honest, for some of us, the answer to that is the way they should go is my way. I have a plan for them, and I want them to follow the plan. I know exactly what my son is going to be. I know exactly what my, God, my daughter is going to do. I have been directing them that way all their life. Parents, don't provoke your kids to hostility. There are a lot of disillusioned parents wondering, why are our kids, why aren't they who we wanted them to be? It says right here, when they get old, they won't depart from it, whatever it is. I don't know if you've picked up on it, but I kind of have a problem with that whole mindset. So if you weren't sure, let me unpack it. The text doesn't say that, for one. It also doesn't say if a child, listen, listen. It does not say if a child grows up in a Christian home that they'll walk as a Christian as an older person. The text doesn't say that. But that's what we think it says. It also doesn't say when they're older, they'll come back to the faith somehow down the road. It doesn't say that. If you believe that's what it says, you will become or are very disillusioned now that your kids are older and they're not following that way that you thought they would. Listen, Proverbs as a book teaches life principles. They're not promises. It's not some magic wand. If you think it's some magic wand for my kids will turn out fine eventually, you're wrong. And you're going to get mad at God because he didn't fit in your box. Train a child in the way they should go. When he, she is old, they will not turn from it. Literally, and you could probably find this in the footnotes of your study Bible if you have a study Bible. Literally, that phrase, in the way he, she should go, means according to his way according to her way, according to that child's habits and interests and temperaments and personalities and gifts and talents that God formed in them when they were in their mother's wombs, according to that way. It means this, train up a child, give him or her a thirst for what? For the way God made them. In keeping with their own way, train them up be in cooperation with their own way, their own bent, 
their own characteristics. The instruction has to take into account their individuality, their inclinations, keeping their, their degree of physical and mental development, where they're at in their spiritual journey. Question, have you ever considered the way of your kid? Do you know her way? Do you know his unique bent? Do you know their individual characteristics? Train your child, your grandchildren, according to her, according to his own way. Every child comes into the world, comes into our families with a unique, special set of bents, characteristics. Therefore, every single child is different. We had one rule follower sitting at the table doing homework. We had another one rolling around on the floor. Different. Put the one rolling around on the floor in the chair, frustrated. Does he need to learn to be disciplined? Self-disciplined? Yes. But he can actually learn more rolling around on the floor. But that doesn't fit. Kids are different. You know it's true in your families. It's true in mine. My job as a parent is to discover who that kid is and to train them up and encourage them in that way of who they are. Different personalities, different temperaments, different skills, talents, abilities, different likes, dislikes, different tastes, different ways to process information, different learning styles, different strengths, different weaknesses, different styles in communication. They're different. Cheer on their differences. It's true with your kids. It's true with every kid in this church. It's true with your Awana group. It's true with your roommates. Some are loud. Some are quiet. Some are risk takers. Some are cautious. Some are outgoing. Some are reserved. Some are like Luke and they want to sing opera. Different. God made each one of them that way. God gave me a gift when Brandy Pals and I were able to take 12 teenagers to life. High school youth conference that the Alliance does every couple of years. And this gift came to me in the way of a seminar. And one piece of it, something that I did with them that night in our, in our room as we were kind of debriefing. And I just want to give it to you. Psalm 139, well known to many. Here's the gift. Read it out loud. And where every personal pronoun is, put your kid's name there. Put a grandchild's name there. Put your name there. For Judy was created... Her inmost being was created. You knit, you met Joel together in his mother's womb. I praise you because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works, O oh God, are wonderful 
And I know that full well. That's just two verses, but I would encourage you to read it over your kids. Listen, when somebody knows who they are, who they really are, who God made them to be, they're free. Not living up to somebody else's expectation, somebody else's story, somebody else's plan, somebody else's way, somebody, this is who you're, no, this is who God made you. When I know that, who I am in Christ, and my personality, my temperament, my strength, I am free to be the person God's called me to be. Amen? Fearfully and wonderfully made. Wouldn't this be a great gift to give to a young person? When you were young, somebody said, you're awesome. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And then to hear them respond, and I'm figuring it out and unpacking all what that means, and it is so much fun. The key instruction regarding the training up of a child we need to be about the business. We need, to, we need to be about the task of knowing who they are. What is their bent, their characteristics? Are they athletic? Are they mechanical? Are they artistic? Maybe they're good at reading and writing. Whatever their bent is, you know what we need to do? We need to tell them it's okay being you. Encourage them that way. Train them up in that way. Give them the freedom to be who God made them to be and help them discover through that what God wants them to do with it. Train up a child in his or her own way. My job with my kids in my life, the kids in our lives, is to look for the signs, look for the ways to know who they are. Train them up in that way. Discover who that kid is and give it back to them and encourage them to fulfill what God has made them to be. You are valued by God for who you are, not for what you do. I want you to turn to somebody and tell them that. You are valued for who you are, not for what you do. Go ahead. Don't leave anybody out. Let's pray. Would you stand up? Just popping my head, I just want to give this to you. You could be 20-something, 30-something, 40-something, 50, 60-something, and you don't really know who you are. We have some great resources as a church to walk alongside you to figure that out, who God made you to be. We are about, at Dover Church, doing life together. I invite you to lean into it. Father, I pray that you just bless homes and dorm rooms and cafeteria or restaurant conversation and laughter and wonder of who you've made us to be. 
Help us to rejoice with the differences and our quirks. Help us to love each other well, to have a glimpse and a taste for just how much you love and accept us. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless.